So we're just going to read a few verses and then I'm going to preach today out of this. I feel God's given me something for today, which has been on my mind for a little while. And we're going to read from a passage in Galatians 6. It's only about three verses long. It's very short. And if you haven't got a Bible, don't worry. It's going to come up on the screen behind me. We're going to read from verse 7. This is what Galatians 6 verse 7 says. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. About 10 years ago, uh, Sarah and I and our family uh, moved into a new house, and as you do when you move into a new house, you look at the house, and you think, well, let's, we're going to decorate, we're going to sort some stuff out here, and one of the things we decided to do was we decided to rip up a load of the carpet and to sand the floorboards. Anybody ever sanded floorboards? Okay. <laughs> okay, if you've ever sanded floorboards, maybe you will be able to relate to this story. I had done this in our previous house, and at that point, I'd kind of vowed, not quite, maybe never again, but I was definitely going to not rush into this again in a hurry. Anyway, we decided to sand our floorboards. We were going to do it ourselves, save the money. And we went down to the hire shop and hired all the sanding stuff. And basically, one of the things you hire is this big thing. It's like a demonic lawnmower, basically. It has a life of its own. It's frightening. And you start sanding floorboards, and it's all, you know, chaos. It took me about a day and a half, and it went pretty well. We sanded these floorboards, did them all different fine sanding paper, got it all done, and it all looked good. And then we decided to fill in the cracks between the floorboards. Schoolboy era moment, okay? We mixed all the stuff up that you have to mix up, and we began to fill all the cracks. We filled them all, all through one room, the second room, all through the hallway. I'm thinking it's all going really, really well. Until I re-sanded to get rid of the filler, okay? As I re-sanded, I'm expecting this stuff just to break off like dust and kind of, you know, just disappear. What happens actually is, as I go over this stuff, I basically spread this gluey stuff back over my floorboards. And what had taken me a day and a half to sand, now was covered again with this kind of gunky mess. It took me a day and a half to sand it, and then about two days to clear off all the gunk I just spread back over my floorboards. Okay? It got so bad at one point that I had to, Sarah and the kids moved out and lived in another house for a couple of nights, I was sanding floorboards again for about 12, 14 hours a day. I only stopped because the neighbors, I thought, were about to begin to complain because it was about 10 o'clock at night and I'm going with this demonic lawnmower through our house again. And I'm, honestly, at one point, it was so bad and I was so low about the whole thing that I felt like crying. In fact, I think I did cry at one point. It was so <laughs> depressing. Okay? Day after day after day of sanding, after about three and a half days, I finally finished. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I would like to say to you now, 10 years on, that you could come back to that house and come and see those floorboards and see them in all their glory. But you can't, because about five years afterwards, we ripped them up and replaced them with new boards. So I don't know why I bothered in the first place, but anyway. Sometimes the key between fruitfulness or a lack of fruitfulness, sometimes the key between seeing no harvest or seeing harvest, sometimes the difference between not making it through on seeing breakthrough is simply this. Don't give up. 
You have to keep going. Proverbs 24 says this, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. In other words, everybody falls, everybody makes mistakes, everybody gets stuff wrong. The difference is whether you get back up again or not. Whether you go again or not. Whether you are prepared to try again. And I believe today that God wants to speak to a number of us who feel maybe tired, maybe feel like we want to give up in a certain area of our life, or maybe even we feel that we have given up. And I think God wants to say to you, keep going, hold on, go again. Now we live in a world, don't we, that teaches us that we should have everything now. We have drive through car washes, drive through restaurants. Even, I found online this week, not because I want one, because I'm already married, but you can do drive through weddings, apparently. In America, you can do drive through weddings. They had three options in this place. Fast wedding, faster, or the fastest. <laughs> Incredible. We want instant everything. We don't want to wait for anything. I was in the corner shop the other day, and forgive me if you buy this stuff, it's not meant to be judgmental, but I was amazed to discover already baked jacket potatoes that you can just... <laughs> the amazing thing about the pre-baked jacket potatoes is you shove them in the microwave and it takes five minutes to cook them, to reheat them, which I thought was about how long it took to do a baked potato in the first place in the microwave. But anyway, we want it now. We live in a culture which is teaching us to expect results now, to expect change now, and yet fruitfulness often requires time. And through the Bible, there's this principle again and again, sow, reap, sow, and reap. Good and bad, you sow and reap. And the hinge factor, the difference between whether you reap or not is whether you don't give up. Whether you keep going, whether you hold on long enough to see the results. On October 29, 1941, Prince uh, Prime Minister Winston Churchill visited Harrow School, which I think is where he'd been a pupil. This was 10 months into the Second World War. He went to hear them singing in their assembly and to deliver a talk. And in his talk, he said, this is the lesson we have learned from the first 10 months of World War II. And this is what he says, never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never in nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in. And then he went on. Now, one of the reasons why God teaches us and talks in Galatians 6 to keep going and not to give up is because God knows we have the tendency to want to give up. We become weary. And I don't mean just like a weariness which is just from a lack of sleep. You know, the kind of, I don't mean like you've, you know, just had a newborn baby and you've been woken up four times a night or you're working really hard, or you've been on a plane, you know, that kind of weariness, where you wake up on a plane and you're dribbling on the person next to you, not talking about that kind of weariness. I'm talking about weariness in your spirit, a weariness which is more internal, where, if you like, our motivation starts to run dry a little. We can feel like that about church, we can feel like that about our ministry, about parenting, about our work, all sorts of things. God knows that we, at times, grow weary. About two years ago, uh, I felt a bit like this. We'd had a really demanding few years at church. We had launched sites and been through all sorts of change. There had been loads of changes, which I'd been right in the thick of. 
and some amazing things have happened. Lots and lots of really, really good things. Sometimes you get weary because of all the good things that are happening, by the way. It's not all bad. But we've been through some really good stuff and some really difficult stuff. And I'd grown to the point where I felt really flat. And I don't think I realized how flat I felt until I had a sabbatical. I was fortunate enough to have a sabbatical every seven years. And I went on sabbatical. And on my first day of sabbatical, me and my youngest son went to Legoland. And on the second day, Sarah and I met for lunch. And at lunch, Sarah said, oh, how are you doing? And I said, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. It wasn't the easiest conversation, and it wasn't the easiest season. Now, I'm fine now, and I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. But I hit a season where I'm like, I'm not sure if I want to carry on like this. I felt, I felt weary. And the Bible knows, God knows, that sometimes we hit scenarios where we feel flat and weary. And that's why in Galatians 6 it says, hold on. And I want to talk about five reasons sometimes where we end up feeling weary. Five, I'm sure there are more, but five reasons, and I've been very clever, and I'm getting them all with the, word, with the letter S, okay? Sesame Street, letter S today, okay? Here's the first one. Sometimes I think we get weary, like in our spirit, because of sadness, or disappointment, or delay, when things have simply not worked out the way we wanted Maybe our career is stalled. Maybe you just can't find work. Or you can't find work which will pay you enough. Or maybe your kids are not turning out the way you'd hope they would. Or maybe the ministry opportunities you'd hoped for have not opened up yet. And you feel disappointed. And it leaves us weary and we feel demotivated. Sometimes sadness and disappointment can leave us feeling weary in our spirit. Here's the second one. The second one is schedule. Sometimes we get weary in our spirit simply because we live unsustainable lives. We run schedules which leave no margin in our lives. We find ourselves running for every bus, racing to catch the train, late for every appointment. We overcommit and we're tortured by the sense that we are never quite doing enough and we feel worn out. And we live in a world that is addicted to this kind of pace, and it creates some very unhappy and very stressed people. And not only do we get caught up in it, but we can become addicted to it. I don't know if you've seen, like, on kind of social media or around the place, they're talking now about FOMO, the fear of missing out. You've seen that? The fear of missing out. In other words, that we somehow feel that we are not getting everything that God has for us, or somehow we're missing out on all the things that life has for us, that somehow out there there is more life. And so we try and cram more experiences into our own. And as you try and cram more into your life, what you find out is you're really missing out on life altogether in the first place. You miss out on your friends, you miss out on laughing, you miss your kids, and you miss getting to know God. Bilbo Baggins in Lord of the Rings talks about feeling thread, thin, and spread too thinly like butter over toast. That's how you feel when you feel like this. And if that's you, you need to take a really honest look at your timetable and the pace of your world, and you need to learn to say no to some things, and also you need to understand what is the root that's making you overcommit, what's driving you to do that. And you need to think about what really matters. Here's the third one. Success. Sometimes success wrongly understood 
makes us feel weary. We grow weary because we chase empty dreams. We hope if we get more, we climb higher, we accumulate more, that somehow we will arrive. Somehow we never get enough, never climb high enough, never accumulate enough, and it never satisfies enough. We are living with the wrong definition of success. Verse 10 in Galatians 6 says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You see, success biblically defined is not about how high I climb. It's about how I spend my life on other people. Jesus says it's about loving God and loving people. In other words, you show your love for him by loving the people that he loves. And Galatians 6 says you do this as you have opportunity. In other words, within the sphere and influence of, the, of your life as you have it right now in this season. You're not waiting to arrive somewhere else, waiting to climb a bit higher, and then you do this as you have opportunity right now. So it doesn't matter if you spent your day at home with a two-year-old or whether you run a huge company with thousands of employees. What matters is in the season you are now, with the influence you have in the sphere that you have now, that you do good, that you help people, that you love people, that you're kind, that you stop for people. John Wesley, who founded the Methodist Church, said this, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. And Galatians 6 says this is what's called sowing well. You're sowing to the Spirit. You're doing the things that Jesus does. And it says as you sow well, as you live life like this, then you will reap well. If you sow well, in the end you reap well. It doesn't mean there aren't any bumps in the way. It doesn't mean there aren't any storms. It just means you sow well, you reap well. Here's the fourth S that sometimes can cause us to feel weary. And this is an S called sin. When we're living in disobedience and like, you know, habitual disobedience, we feel weary because we know we are not living the life we believe we know we should. We get caught. We feel compromised. We feel divided. We're neither walking one way or the other. And if you're in church and you live like this, it means you put up this facade all the time that, to everyone else that everything is fine when it's not, and it's exhausting. And not just exhausting, but this kind of life is really dangerous. We are, what Galatians 6 is saying, we're sowing to the flesh. We're investing energy into sinful patterns, and Galatians 6 says we're going to get a return. You're sowing one way, you're going to reap another way. We will reap what it says in Galatians 6 is called reap destruction, another word for the word destruction, is corruption or disintegration. In other words, the more we sow into the sinful patterns, so our life disintegrates. We feel divided. Our life literally begins to fall apart. That's what we reap. And if that's you, like breaking all addictions, the first thing you have to do is you have to admit it's true. And that's probably the hardest step. You have to admit it's true, you have to own up, you have to bring it to the light, and you have to say, this is where I am. And what you find is, God loves you anyway, and the people around you love you. 
Here's the fifth and last one. Another reason why I think sometimes we grow weary in our spirit is simply this. It's simply the season that you're in. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes it's not a bad thing or a wrong thing. It's literally that we live in a fallen world. Weariness is not necessarily a sign that anything is wrong. It's simply the season. When Adam sins in Genesis, one of the products of that, one of the repercussions of sin is a disintegration in the world. It's a corruption of the world. There's a fallenness in the world. And Adam is told, you're going to have to labor really hard to get the to get the ground to yield you anything good. In other words, you have to work hard to get fruitfulness, to get productivity, to make true. You're going to have to work hard. So sometimes it's just the season we're in. There is, if you like, an inevitable delay between sowing and reaping. This is an agricultural picture. That's called a farm. And I know for some of you who've grown up in the city, you've never seen a farm or heard of a farm. But there's lots of grass and little concrete, okay? And in those places called farms, they have big fields and they sow seeds. And normally they sow them about autumn time. And in spring, summertime, they reap a harvest. And there's a gap in between sowing and reaping. In urban terms, in the autumn, you paint a concrete wall white. And in the spring, you have a lovely graffiti mural. It takes a whole season to grow one of those. Okay, in the autumn, you open a new local parade of shops, and in the autumn, by the spring, you have 15 takeaway chicken shops, okay? That's how this works. You sow and you reap, okay? A guy called Malcolm Gladwell has done some studies, and he's written something, and talks about something called the 10,000-hour rule. They reckon it takes 10,000 hours of investment into a skill to reap the ability to do it really well. So if you want to be a great musician, you literally have to invest thousands of hours. If you want to be a master craftsman, you have to invest 10,000 hours. If you want to be great at IT, you have to invest 10,000 hours. There is an inevitable delay and gap between sowing and reaping. And in the gap is where trust is needed. See, the gap between investing And being fruitful is where we hold on to God, where we trust. It's where we pray. It's where we pray back promises to him, where we say, I believe, Romans 8 tells me, you work all things together for those who love you. And you hold it, and you pray it. It's where you wait when you're in the gap. In Mark 5, there's an amazing story which is just an incredible story in the Gospels about a lady who's been suffering with bleeding for 12 years. And if you know this story, she hears news of Jesus, that Jesus is in town, and she spent all her money, she's searched, in other words, she's searched everywhere, and she's found no answer, she's spent everything she's got, and she hasn't got better, she's got worse. And she thinks, I'll give him a go. So she goes out in public, which she shouldn't do, the crowds are pressing around Jesus, and she walks through the crowd, she presses through the crowd and gets to Jesus, and touches the hem of his cloak, and she's immediately healed. You may know that story. Well, that story is sandwiched in between another story. Because around that story is a story of a guy called Jairus. And actually, the chapter begins with Jairus. And Jairus has a little girl who he loves who is dying. And he knows Jesus has the answer, and he goes to Jesus and says, 
can you come and heal my girl before she dies? And he says, I'm coming. Jesus says, I'm coming. And Jesus begins to go with Jairus to their house. And as Jesus is on the way, they are interrupted by the woman who's bleeding. And she gets healed. And as she gets healed, news comes to Jairus that his little girl has died. See, sometimes we're in the gap, right? And other people are just, there's harvest everywhere for them. They're reaping everywhere. And you're in the gap wondering if God's going to do anything. And everyone says to Jairus, just send Jesus away. It's done. It's finished. You can't do anything. It's over. If he'd come earlier, it would have been fine. And Jesus turns to Jairus and says, don't be afraid. Just believe. And Jesus goes with him and prays to this little girl and she comes back to life. In the gap, between asking and receiving, in between sowing and reaping, in that gap is where you are reminded, where I'm reminded, that I'm not in control. We are we're reminded again that the world doesn't orbit around us, and we have to hold on and trust that there is one who loves us, who the world does orbit around, who does hold all things in his hand. It's in the gap you, you keep praying for your son who walked away from God as a teenager. It's in the gap that you keep working on your marriage. It's in the gap that you keep investing in that ministry and serving, even though you don't know if it's going to be fruitful. It's in the gap where you keep holding the boundary with your child who never seems to want to respond. It's in the gap that you keep serving. It's in the gap that you keep praying for the sick. It's in the gap that you keep waiting for the ministry opportunity that you feel God has called you to that hasn't opened up yet. That's where you hold on. William Carey, who was one of the most famous Christian missionaries who journeyed to India in the 18th century, who, although he had a very simple education amongst his other achievements, he and his team translated the Bible into six different languages and into in fully and 29 other languages in part. His first seven years of being a missionary in India was just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. It was not until his eighth year in India, even though his family had been through awful turmoil, that he saw the first Indian convert. He arrives in November 1793. He baptizes the first convert in February 1801. And this is what he said about himself. He said this, I can plod. I can persevere in any definite pursuit to this I owe everything. I can plod, and I persevere. That's it. John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Church, who became a movement around the world, really became known for compassion and supernatural spirit-filled power, healing and compassion, preached for two years in Anaheim before he saw anyone heal on healing. In the gap is where you hold on, where you keep going, where you don't give up. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you simply do the same things again and again and again. Sometimes in the gap we have to reevaluate. Albert Einstein once said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So sometimes it may be not working because it's not very good. 
Maybe our parenting needs to adjust. Maybe the ministry we keep trying to launch isn't the right idea. And that's why, to be honest, we need other people around us. One of the reasons why you want to be in a group, why you want to foster friendships, because you need somebody else who will say to you, that's not a very good idea. I've met people who are launching business ideas, and it's like, really? And either no one's brave enough to tell them, or they're not big enough to listen, but they're launching this idea, and everyone knows it's a bad idea, and no one is able to tell them that it is. Sometimes we need other people around us to go, you really need to adjust the way you're handling your child. Or you're so loose with them that they're just rebellious. Or you're so overtight with them they're going to become rebellious as well. Or that ministry idea is like, would be better this way than that. And we need to adjust. It doesn't necessarily mean we do the same things again and again. It means that we're open, that we listen, that we learn, we adjust. And then... We keep going. We don't give up. You hold on. You keep going. Because if you keep going, Galatians 6 says, if you hold on, you reap a harvest. You sow, and you wait, and you hold on, you reap a harvest. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. I'm just going to Pray in a minute. I'm going to say, if you feel God's spoken to you today, if you feel there's an area where you just think, I feel like giving up, or I feel like I have given up, and I I want to hold on, I want to go again, in a minute I'm just going to ask you to stand. I'm going to get everybody to close their eyes, and you can just stand as a way of saying to God, I hear you, and I want to do what you're saying to me. But before we go there, as we close, I want to just speak to us all together. We started this site about four years ago, And some of us have been here since we launched. How many of you were here four years ago? Brilliant. I am very grateful to all of you. Thank you for coming and being part of this. In those four years, we have launched this site and established it. We grew fast, went from one to two services, hit delay on the building. We then waited. Eventually, we moved into the cafe back to one service in that little space. If you go in there now, you just kind of go, I don't know how we fit. I don't know how we fit it in that. And then had 12 months of a building project. We have sowed and sowed, and many of you have served and served and served and given hour upon hour upon hour of your time. And in September last year, we moved into this space, for which we are very grateful. We relaunched. It's like we restarted again. First ever Sunday we had in our site four years ago, we had 170 people come. We were supposed to have 140, but 30 more people crept in. I don't know how they were allowed in, but they were allowed in. (laughs) Last Sunday on Easter Sunday, we had 286 people here. We have about 40 or 50 more people a week now than we did six months ago. We have a youth group on a Friday night. People are becoming Christians and getting baptized. In some measure, we have seen harvest. Okay? And we're grateful. But I want to ask you to keep going. And in particular, I want to speak to those of you who have something in your heart in terms of reaching out to the community around us. You feel like God has put something in you, some kind of dream, some kind of skill, some kind of desire to gather a group of other people who are like-minded with you, and you want to use that to reach people who are not churched, who don't know Jesus, and you want to introduce them to Jesus. 
You see, for all the really great things that have happened here in the last few years, and I am very grateful, for all the progress and all the growth, one of the harder questions I ask myself sometimes, which I think is a good question to ask when you launch something new, somewhere new, is if we stopped everything now. This is not true at Capital Downham because this is a new site. This is just talking about this site here. If we stopped everything now and we packed everything up and we went back to Catford or we went to the Downham site and we tried to get in there, if we left this area, one of the questions I ask myself is, would the people who live around here, would they miss us? Would they think, oh no, the church can't leave? I'm not sure. I think this next season, we want to keep doing everything we're doing really well, but we want to make sure, don't we, that we don't give up and we press into doing everything we can to touch an area so that if ever one day we wrapped everything up and moved on, which we're not going to do, the people in an area surrounding us, however far that is, would be like, don't go. The church should make such a difference that not only to the people who are in the walls now, but for the people who are outside the walls right now. So, I want to speak to you if you feel God's put something in your heart. If you feel called to run a group which goes in and serves people in a care home, if you can find like-minded people who want to do that with you and just go and serve people, speak to us. If you feel called to run a group which makes a difference to young people in a local school who don't have much hope, who come from rubbish backgrounds and you want to help them, speak to us. If you feel called to run a group that serves single parents or parents of young kids and you want to help them out and bless them, then speak to us. If you feel called to run a group to help local business people, then come and speak to us. If you feel called to use your gift to run a group designed to simply get people into our building, to introduce them, if you like, to the life of this community, maybe it could be around sport, the music, around the arts, any activity, then speak to us. Because we need to hold on. We need to keep going. And we need to keep growing into a church that grows in such a way that if we ever moved on, all the community would come banging on our door asking us to stay. Galatians 6 teaches us if we keep going in the right moment, you reap a harvest. So I'm going to pray now. And... I'm just going to pray, and in a minute, I'm going to ask Iris to come and share a word as well. But I'm just going to pray, and if you feel God's spoken to you, I'd love you to stand in a moment. But I'm just going to pray first. Jesus, we thank you that you're here. We thank you for your goodness to us and your grace in our lives. We thank you for your presence by your Holy Spirit. We don't take it for granted, Lord. And because we know you're here, we're going to respond to you and acknowledge your voice. Not my voice, but your voice, your words. And we know that you love to speak with us, that you're after our hearts. And God, you know that we're prone sometimes to grow weary, even sometimes doing good things. So by your spirit now, I pray you just breathe on us and just blow on these words and let them bear fruit in our hearts. Now, just with our eyes closed, if you know God's spoken to you today, it might be to do with something that you feel that you 
God has spoken to you about like a dream and you think, God, I need to do that somehow in this community. It might be somewhere where you've given up or an area that you feel like giving up that God is speaking to you about holding on. I'd like you to stand, please, where you are. I'm not going to bring you down the front. I'm just going to ask you to stand. I'm going to give you a, a moment, just a few seconds, and you can stand. Be brave. Just stand. People still standing. So if you feel like you want to stand, just stand. Don't miss the moment. Now, you know why you're standing. You tell him why you're standing. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and seal this moment in these hearts. We ask you, God, for courage to move again and to keep going. Courage to address things that are wrong. To be honest, where things are broken. Courage to adjust plans that haven't worked, maybe. And we pray, God, for your voice to speak clearly and for your Holy Spirit to bring fruitfulness, we ask. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.